Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Troy Pryor, founder of Creative Cypher and host of the Cypher Live podcast, where we interview creative thought leaders. And today we've got a dope queen with us. Iona Morris Jackson is in the building. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Troy. I'm so happy to be here with you and everybody. Absolutely. We appreciate you joining. Iona is a super multi-hyphenate. She was recently nominated for Hollywood Critics Award and now for the NAACP Award for her direction of the ABC hit comedy Blackish titled If a Black Man Cries in the Woods, airing in 2022. Her short completed back in 2020, Celeste Dreams, which she directed, wrote, and executive produced has been in 14 short film festivals, garnering three nominations and the award for merit from the Canadian Short Film Festival. Uh, this is just so dope to have you uh, on the show with us today. Thank you. Thank you. You know, this is so cool what you're doing, introducing us to each other, which is really fantastic. Uh, yeah, I appreciate that. You know, you, you, you got to see it. You know, it's important. We can always visualize, we can envision things, but there's is just a tremendous amount of value in seeing it, hearing it, mm. you know, being around uh, creative thought leaders and individuals who have been there, done that. And, you know, success leaves clues. So we want to make sure that we continue to empower uh, those individuals. But jumping right into it, you know, there is no blueprint. There's no <laughs> one way to do it, whatever that may mean for everybody. Mm. But did you always um, aspire to work within this industry? Uh, is this something that you, you saw on the trajectory when you were starting out? Yes, I always, I, I originally wanted to be an actress and that's, as, that's how I saw my career going for the rest of my life and as a voiceover talent. And then someone asked, I, I wrote a one woman show and, and another actress friend came to see it and she said, oh, would you direct mine? I was like, no, 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 I'm gonna be an actress. That's what I do. And for three months she hounded me. This is a long time ago. And when I went to that first rehearsal, I finally said, yes, I was like, Wow, I was shocked at how much came out of me, how exciting it was to just be able to see the entire vision of what she was doing and to give comments that really helped propel the, the uh, show forward. And that started my trajectory into directing. Excellent. And that's a, an amazing point for a lot of the creators that are in our ecosystem, because sometimes we have this vision that we're going to start and everything is going to go this one way. And yeah. then the universe opens the door to a new opportunity. And now you find yourself with uh, more ways to, you know, to share your skill set. Yes, exactly. Exactly. You just and, you know, you just got to go with the flow. And there are a lot of hyphenates. I, I'm really primary, primarily directing right now. Uh, because that's such a different focus from what it was as I was as, a, as, as an actress. And I have such a name out there doing that. And so you just, you know, you got to go with the flow. Even, And I'll tell you, it's really interesting because even sometimes people say, well, I really want to do X, Y, and Z, but I keep pulling in this direction. For all you know, the pull into that direction is really where your talent lies. It's really where your passion lies. It's really what's going to fulfill you and what you want to do. And, and you just got to get off the road and take a risk. Mm -hmm. And would you say that uh, your experience uh, in wearing the, the other hat prior to directing really empowered and, and gave you the ability to speak the language, you know, and really connect now as a director mostly. Yes. Yes, it did. It really helps in talking 
to actors. Um, they listen, I think, a lot more acutely to you when they know you have been an actor. And also you can you can shorten up the language that you're using with them. And I love actors. And that makes a difference, not only about just moving them from here to there or doing what I say. It's not only about moving them from here to there, but it's also seeing what, what uh, moves them. Where is it that they feel they need to move uh, within the character physically as well as emotionally? Did you find it to be uh, a learning curve or did you did it just naturally flow for you? What were some of the challenges uh, or did you see any challenges or experience any challenges in that transition over to directing? Uh, well, you know, I first uh, went into theater. That's where I first started directing. And um, that wasn't so much of a challenge, but going into television was. And what I did was I took a job as the dialogue coach on Blackish. Uh, a friend of mine suggested I was talking to her. I just directed her in a show, and I was like, I, I'm trying to figure out how do I how do I get there? How do I get into this? And we had been together for literally eight hours, driving a long distance to go see a friend in a play. Came out. She was getting out of the car. And she said, "You know, I don't know if you'll want to do this, but there's this show, new show called Blackish. It's coming on the air, and they're looking for a dialogue coach. And they offered me the job, but I'm getting back into acting. And I was like, "That's it." She said, "I didn't think you'd want to." I said. Apps, it gets me on. I've never been behind the camera, so I've never been crew. Uh, gave me a chance to watch what other directors are doing. So what we call shadowing, I was getting paid to do that. And so it was really exciting. And 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 I want to say this too. You know, when you're a theater director, you're like top of the food chain in the theater world. And when you're an actress, you know, you've got all this stuff going on. When you're the dialogue coach, you're way down the food chain. And so there were really tough days when I'd leave work going, what am I doing? But I knew I kept my focus on where I was going and what I wanted to learn. And that was valuable. And the people watched the way I worked. And that's very important. I never gave up. I never get got frustrated in front of anyone who could give me an opportunity because that frustration was just based in ego. That's all it was. And so I, I remember they told they told me that after um, that I needed to direct a short film so they could see my eyes, see my work. So I did. And that was, took me six years, though. I remember after five and a half years, one day I'm sitting there and my brain clicked to seeing the story being told through the camera as opposed to the proscenium stage, as opposed to my eye. It, I saw I saw that more clearly. And when that happened, and, and it's and it's gotten richer as I've continued on and grown. But that was a transition that I had to make. You know, one of the things that really stood out in the several things that you mentioned, uh, this idea of being self-aware enough to spot out where ego was <laughs> potentially sabotaging or could be sabotaged. And I want to talk a little bit about yeah. that because as creators, we're oftentimes so married to what we've brought to life or the way that we do things. Just why is that, why is self-awareness so important, not only in life, but especially in this creative world where we have to work with so many different people? Just because of what you said, you're working with so many different people. This is a collaborative effort. Just because you are the director of a show does not mean you are the boss. And guaranteed, if you're an invited director to a television show, there's a writer and a showrunner. 
And those people are really the bosses and it's their vision of that show that you are fitting into to throw in whatever creativity you can on that episode that you're working on. Excuse me, when you're a film director, you have much more power, but still you are collaborating. And there are times when you're, you submit some, an idea and they're like, oh, that's lovely, but no. And you're just dogged about it. But you know what? You got to look at the whole picture. It's, it's just the whole thing. You may not win every battle, but win the whole war. And it's a peaceful war. But win the whole package. And after a while, when people are getting to know you and they see that that suggestion you made works, they'll trust you more. So I'm 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 hearing um, there's a little chess match. <laughs> there's some, <laughs> some chess match go, going on there. Oh so yeah, this, yeah, absolutely. The other thing that really stood out to me was uh, a, a level of humility that uh, you had when you were mentioning the hierarchy mm -hmm. of how you entered uh, the blackish world, uh, and that was you know you were on this you know lower on the on the on you know in the in the, the food totem chain. pole the food chain yeah the food chain but you had a vision and you knew that as you mentioned you'd never showed your frustration in front of individuals that could offer you an opportunity because you knew that that energy you know was so valuable um i want to talk a little bit about energy uh mm. so many creators uh as they whether they are just starting out or working their way up uh have so many different influences uh, but we have to make sure that we are taking care of our mental health, that we are uh, taking care of our physical health. And I just want to talk about why is it so important to protect our energy in this in our creative journeys? Because you can fly off the handle in a minute. And that had that flying off had nothing to do with that situation. Most of the time it has something to do with something else that's in your life that's affecting you. Uh, spiritual health is important. Physical health is important. Mental health is important. I'm a Buddhist. I chant. I, I even chant when I'm mad. And sometimes oh. I'm just sitting there. I'm like, I don't know what I'm chanting for right now. And I'm mad, but help me out here, spirit. And I may have heard somebody chanting something at me the other day, man. I wonder what that was. I know what it is now. <laughs> You know, and physical health. I'll tell you something. This is a crazy thing that the director told me, but I did it. It worked. Halfway through the day, change your socks and shoes. I am here to tell you the uplift. When I first did it, I was like, whoa, the change <laughs> was striking. You know, those little things that you do. When I directed my episode of Blackish, I'd set the scene up. Now the crew is putting everything together. I go to the side and I meditate because I had to calm through the noise of everyone talking to me and also just to make sure that I could hear my own thoughts and mine so that when I communicate, I'm communicating from a place of, yes, love, love the art. And I will argue about something, but what I'm arguing about is the love of the art, not for being right. I will argue my point. But A, if there's someone up higher in the food chain, after a while, you've got to let it go. But also sometimes you've got to take a step back and say, okay, let me try that and see how that works. And once you give to people, allow them some grace in being right in a moment, they will give you more grace. It really is how you want to be treated is how you treat other people. You know, some people say, boy, they, they don't speak to the crew. They walk in. I've seen directors not speak to the crew. And I, I see them not do, th do things that are that are loving or caring and appreciative. And 
the crew talks. You may not know it and you may be waiting on something. It's like, where is that item I need? It's holding me up. It could be sitting right there, but everybody's agreed. We're not giving it up. Um, my dad was on a show called Mission Impossible. <laughs> His name is Greg Morris. I'd say a real quick story. So there's a famous actress from a famous television show who remained nameless, who came on the show as a guest and she was rude to everyone. So when they would shut, set the shot up, the lighting was perfect for her. But for some reason, whenever the director called action, her lighting was bad. No one could figure it out. After a while, it filtered down to my father. He found out she had been such a mean person to the crew. Her lighting was never going to be right. And you know what? The actors never said a thing either because they're protecting their crew. And it's, it, is it fair? Is it personal? But all we, we spend more time together on a daily basis than sometimes with our families. And so, yes, being appreciative, not being unkind is the biggest thing. Yeah, just uh, gratitude. Yes. So far. Yes. Attract the right people. Uh, as you were mentioning the story about uh, being on that set, <laughs> being on that set, I can uh, I can visualize it. So before I got into entertainment, I played football. And so one of the last things you want to do as a quarterback is to piss off your linemen who are there to protect you. Oh, now, I bet. I, now, now, I was a linebacker, so I was on the other side of the ball. <laughs> And listen, if for some reason that quarterback pissed off his line and they just decided not to block me one time, that's daylight. That's clear light. So you don't want that. So uh, I've seen that. I've seen it where a quarterback will throw the ball just high enough so a receiver can stretch their body out. And as a linebacker, you love that because they're totally open now. But it, oh. it, yeah, but it goes back to what you were saying. It's like, you know, we get what we, you know, we get what we give, the law of yes. reciprocity. And when we're working with others, we have to have that, that, uh, that, that humility uh, because is it right? <laughs> like you said, it may not be right, but um, we learn our lessons some, some, sometimes the hard way. And, you know, you brought another thought, thought to me is sometimes when you're working with people, they may be going off. They may be askew that day. So there's a part of you. I feel like a therapist whenever I'm directing as well. So I've got to kind of look and see where I might be able to give some grace to someone and give them room and also call them on it. But how I'm going to do it so we can both have a good day and, and, and meet whatever mission we have on that particular show or in that particular moment. That's that's really important. And, and I also wanna say that what I mentioned about being becoming the dialogue coach, sometimes you've gotta take a few steps back so you can move forward. I gained information. I never would have gotten any other way if I had said, no, I'm a director, I'm a theater director, and that's how I'm gonna get into this. Well, no. That's not how, because there was information that I did not have that I was afforded the opportunity to get mm -hmm. because I did. I have to suck it up sometimes. I loved my job. I love the people I work with. They knew what I was about. I didn't let it out right away, though. I let it out many years later and um, it served me well. <clears throat> and, and that's Study. A, that's a testament to. Uh, you know, your wisdom in that in that in that space, because, you know, looking at so many of the projects that you worked on already as a performer, as a director in theater, you could have easily been one of those folks that just said, I don't want that. 
you know, brushed mm-hmm. it off. I talk to a lot of uh, creators oftentimes in, in various in various uh, disciplines, and I tell them my philosophy is R-A-M, RAM, R-A-M, and that is how I vet opportunities, revenue, mm-hmm. access, marketing. Mm-hmm. Every project doesn't come with the same type of um, revenue or check that you would imagine, mm-hmm. but sometimes it gives me access to things that I otherwise would not have had. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's access to relationships or resources that I can then take and use to create what I would want. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's the marketing that comes from an opportunity to expand my reach. Now, obviously, we want that R. You know, mm-hmm. we want to, we want all of it. But the point is that every opportunity is not going to look the same. And you have to be able to see that and apply it and, and work to your advantage. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that I, I wanted to touch on as you talked about uh, not only blackish directing in general and some and in some capacity being a, a therapist um, in the episode, if a black man cries in the woods, how, how did you approach that topic of especially black men needing to have mm. a certain um, mm. th- tough skin in the world? Ooh, you know, that that breaks my heart that that's what black men have to go through. Um, I live it every day. I'm married to a black man. My brother is a black man. I have many friends who are black men, my father. And I have watched the injustice that happens to black men on a daily basis just because you woke up that morning and left the house. And it doesn't matter if you're in a suit or if you're dressed like you are now, something's going to come up. Um, My main goal was to see where the men were living, how they were feeling with it. And when I needed to give a note, to give them a note in a, in a sensitive manner. And also when you're working with brilliant actors, you don't have to do a lot of explaining. You can just give them a little something. And actually a lot of times they go, I got it. And I said, okay didn't need to say anything else to them. And they could they could pivot in that way. Um, I wanted to give them the space. And, and we have a, a tone meeting, which is what is with, with all the producers and, and the writer before you and, and part of the crew, uh, designers before you go in to, uh, to shoot the week before in your prep. And in talking about it, I was given permission to uh, give the actors space to get to a certain emotional place, not quickly, but in their own time. And that was very important to me. And when that was given, I also promised that I was not going to do a lot of takes because there was a lot of emotion that's not only right there for them for a television show, but they're digging from their own personal experiences. And they don't need to relive that stuff too many times. So that was my approach to that. I would say giving them the space to get to where they needed to emotionally, not talking, uh, giving them a lot of information if I wanted to see a switch and not a lot of takes. I'm curious in that role, I can I can attest, it's just in my experience, having the opportunity to consult or provide opportunities or make a way for others, especially for other uh, artists of color, how did it make you feel to be in that position to be able to provide that space for others? Uh, during the shooting of that particular? Yes. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a daddy's girl. I 
though I am a woman and I fight for women's rights, as I said, I see so much that happens with black men. To have a beautiful script handed to me, written by Rob, R-O-B-B, we call him Double B, Chavis, was such a, a blessing and a gift. Because what I felt it gave a chance is it gave a chance for other black men who saw it to, whew, wow, I, I, I can be emotional. I, I, I see uh, Anthony Anderson as Andre being emotional with his son. I see Lawrence Fishburne being emotional with his grandson and son. I see Marcus being emotional and, 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 and telling their truth about, I, Marcus had a beautiful speech with his dad about why can't I be emotional? Why do I always have to be the strong one? And it pulled on my heartstrings and I was thrilled to be able to put that on network television. Yes, all men can see this, but especially black men are so put upon about being strong and, uh, and, and all of this and men even about being strong and not crying. But there are hurts and pains that we have. And sometimes the only person to talk to is another man who will understand. And not enough of us do that. I mean, as in black men. So I was thrilled to, to be able to direct something to give that message out. So I hope that other black men will feel that um, as well. As a matter of fact, I had a big screening in our backyard and I had many men there and I heard sniffles and men who said, I'm calling my father right now. My nephews had just lost their father and that was difficult, but they had a wonderful conversation between themselves. So that's the kind of work that I want to do, no matter if it's a comedy or drama or film or play, is that it speaks to something in life that can inspire. Mm -hmm. And it's certainly an inspiration. I'm a, uh, a new dad again. I have a, a two-and-a-half-year-old oh. two son, and I have a three-month-old daughter. Oh! So I am, uh, I, I appreciate those moments uh, to be able to use as, you know, as, as lessons as well. I, I, the idea that so many conversations happen after your screening is mm -hmm. a powerful thing. One of the things I always ask creators and artists is, uh, now I, I assume I know the answer, but I'd love to hear your <laughs> response. Do you feel that as artists or creators, uh, we have a responsibility to society? Yes, I do. I do. I think our responsibility is to reflect back. I think our responsibility is to also give an answer, give another way. So if you're going to present a problem, can we give what maybe my answer might be? Um, I think it's a responsibility to... Uh, Adam Sandler is a great example to me. Why would I ever want to watch an Adam Sandler film? It's so stupid and silly. I got stuck on a plane one day and I had to watch 51 First Dates. And I'm, I'm watching it. I'm falling asleep. I'm watching. Then I stick with it. There was such a beautiful point at the end of it. And then I realized in all his films, that's what they are. They, they may suck you in with childish behavior. But at the end, there's something about hum, the human condition. And I think that's very important because we have such a huge platform that that is important to do. You look at Denzel's films, every film he directs, there's something in it you can walk away from. I find that black people in general, every friggin' film I see, even ones I don't like, there is a point to it. We are message people, we are storytellers. And that's our responsibility, storytellers, reflect society, leave something you can leave, I think, even if it's a comedy, that theater or that television show with that you can kind of take with you and kind of go, hmm, let me reflect on something in my life. 
I think that's I think that's important. Even the silly comedies mm-hmm. have I'm, something in them. I'm, I'm hearing a ministry. I'm hearing a ministry <laughs> there. Yes, I'm hearing that. Now, I was raised in a family full of ministers, so oh. this, I've been in the pulpit for a while, you know. And my grandmother like, was a minister. Yeah, so it's like there's there's a purpose um, to live a purpose driven life. Yes, and to use these talents and abilities uh, to uh, be fruitful in the world is a is an amazing thing. So it's great to hear those words uh, coming from you. Uh, so definitely appreciate you jumping on. But before we before we wrap up, my gosh, how did I forget this? I grew up as an X-Man fan. Oh, come on. <laughs> come on. I used to draw all of that growing up, all the different characters and everything. And ladies and gentlemen, we are talking to the goddess herself. Yes. Storm. What Storm. Was what was that experience like? Oh my God, Storm from the X-Men cartoons. It was fantastic. I didn't know much about uh, X-Men and all that. And I called my brother who is a comic book freak. And he said, come over right now. I said, I got this job. He pulled out these X-Men comic books and I started touching him. He said, oh no, 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 no. Put on these white gloves. You gotta put on white gloves before you. And I was I, I was like, wow, Storm, what up? Badass chick. I, I was honored to play Storm for many years. And from what I understand, to be the favorite voice of Storm. Yes, I, I hear that. I receive that. So I'm I'm just in awe right now. The whole day, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm interviewing Storm today. I'm interviewing Storm. <laughs> I'm like, I grew up watching this character, and now I'm I'm sitting here talking to you. So this is this is super dope for me uh, as a, as a fan of X Men. And how I got into the union as a performer was as a voice actor. So ah. I I can super appreciate this for sure. So this is really really amazing. And you know what? You mentioned your brother. I mean, you grew up. What was that like having a sibling in the business too? Oh God, Phil Morris. He plays uh, Johnny Cochran's character uh, oh, yeah. on on uh, on uh, Seinfeld, and he's he's hilarious. It's, it was really wonderful. You know, um, it was funny because my father supported my brother in the industry, but didn't support me because he was concerned about the casting couch. Mm, and so he said, you know, really concerned. But then finally, I, I was 21. I stood up to my parents and said, I'm going to be an actress. That's what I'm going to do. And they went, OK. And I just want to tell any everyone out there, whatever your passion is, whatever your dream is, your parents may not support you, your siblings, your your relatives, they'll say no, but I promise you, if you feel it in your heart and soul, you stick with it because on the day that you get your first job, your mother's going to be the first one to say, I knew it the whole time. I knew it. (laughs) So you stick with it because you won't be happy if you don't. Powerful lesson, powerful message. Well, listen, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, rock with us, drop some gems. Thank you for um, having me. Pray that everybody out there got some uh, some powerful uh, a powerful message they can apply to their everyday life and their journey. Before we wrap, how can how can we stay in tune with what you have going on? Follow you on social. How can we just stay up to date? That'd be awesome. I'm on Instagram Live as I own a lot of gold. And uh, Iona Morris on Facebook and Iona Morris also Twitter. I don't tweet a lot, but uh, I'm waiting for it to kind of to see what's happening with Twitter anyway. <laughs> and also on Thursday nights at six o'clock uh, Pacific time, I have a show with my brother on IG live called The Vision is Possible. Really cool piece. 
And I'm also doing a free online masterclass workshop. I'm looking so I can find it on here. Masterclass workshop for people who want to create their own one person shows. It's a specialty that I have having worked with Jennifer Lewis, Blair Underwood, Kim Wayans, Penny Johnson, Gerald, and so many more. If you go on eventbrite.com and look for Iona Morris Jackson, creating a one person show, please check it out. It's going to be happening in just a few weeks. And I'd, I'd love to have people come on. We're doing it through Zoom and I've got a lot to offer. If you want to start a one person show, awesome. I'll help yeah. you get there. Awesome. We'll definitely post about that and send some messages out as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank we appreciate you. Appreciate you staying tuned with the Cypher Live podcast. Peace. Bye.